0: Compassion, trust, courage, innovation, the values of Temecula Valley Hospital. We proudly present TVH Health Chat. Here's Melanie Cole. As men get older, their bodies change in so many ways. For many men, one of those changes is that the prostate gets larger. My guest today is Dr. Richard Connor. He's a urologist and a member of the medical staff at Temecula Valley Hospital. Dr. Connor, a little physiology lesson for the listeners. What does the prostate do?
1: Well, hello, Melanie. Thanks for having me. Well, the prostate is a gland. It's a solid organ that secretes fluid, and it's um, the fluid that uh, is part of semen. It's ejaculated uh, for sexual function, and it uh, just happens to be right in the urinary tract, and uh, urine travels through it, and um, that's typically what its normal function is, and I tell patients it's kind of where the junction of the male genital tract and the urinary tract come together.
0: So what happens to the prostate as men age?
1: So the most common condition uh, as men age is, is benign enlargement of the prostate. And what happens is under the influence of testosterone, the prostate just continues to grow. Um, and it's a benign growth, um, but it just keeps growing and growing, and, it, and that can cause some problem.
0: So what would a man notice? What, what, would, what symptoms would signal that they are having an enlarged prostate or BPH?
1: Yes, yeah, so the term BPH, as you mentioned, it stands for benign prostatic hyperplasia or hypertrophy. Some people use that term as well. And, um, it can enlarge, and actually, uh, about half of men have no symptoms because the prostate just keeps growing and it doesn't cause any trouble. But in the other half of men, as it enlarges, they'll, um, um, uh, uh, well, let me, let me correct that. I should say that half of men don't have prostate enlargement as they get older. Of the half that do have prostate enlargement, uh, half of those are the ones that don't have any symptoms. So, so one quarter of all men as they age will have symptoms. And what those symptoms look like are uh, typically kind of slow stream, maybe starting and stopping, having to go to the bathroom more frequently, and with urgency or feel a sudden urge that you need to rush to the bathroom. And one of the most common things that gets people to the doctor is that uh, men are getting up all night uh, having to use the restroom. And that's typically what men will experience.
0: What's the best screening for men to determine an enlarged prostate or even prostate cancer?
1: Sure, and that and uh, those are kind of two different uh, um, issues. You know, certainly if, if a man is having the symptoms of difficulty, he can get in and get checked. We do have a simple questionnaire that we ask patients about symptoms, and usually a urinalysis and a and a physical examination to check for benign enlargement uh, of the prostate. And that and that's we can usually diagnose it pretty simply with those those types of uh, history and a, a physical examination. Uh, and if we're concerned about cancer, there's other testing that can be done. We sometimes can feel hard uh, spots or nodules on the prostate uh, that could suggest cancer. And there's also a blood test called PSA, which stands for prostate-specific antigen. And that's the that's a test that um, is just a simple blood test. Um, And that's a whole controversial area of of when to check PSAs, on who to check it on, and those kind of issues. But what's interesting is that there's not a, a correlation of benign enlargement of the prostate and prostate cancer. They are two different conditions. But sometimes what happens is men will be having benign enlargement issues, come to the doctor, and of course, we may identify cancer, which may not be causing the symptoms, but of course, it's something that we do identify during the evaluation process.
0: So if they do have BPH and some of those symptoms and it's making life a little bit more difficult for them, what are some of the treatment options
1: available? Sure. So uh, uh, there's probably kind of four categories of treatment. One is just observation or what we call watchful waiting. If it's not bothering a man too much and he doesn't want to undergo treatment and we've ruled out serious conditions, a lot of men can just observe the condition and uh, we can keep an eye on it and not do any treatment. And... uh, then the second category is medications uh the third category is uh, minimally invasive treatments that are are used uh, sort of actual surgery and then of course the fourth category would be different types of surgery where we um essentially try to remove the obstructing part of the prostate that's causing issues and so there's a lot of different treatments within those categories There's different medications all the medications will treat the enlargement as long as the man is continuing to take the medication if he stops taking the medication, of course, it can come back, and um, and so it is it is a long term commitment. Some men are very content with that. Most of the medications have uh, some modest side effects and aren't too bothersome, and so a lot of men will opt for that. There are some sexual side effects with a lot of the medications, so some men aren't happy with that and look for other treatment options. At the other end of the spectrum, the surgery where we we go in and we can use different techniques like laser or uh, vapor. Uh, vaporization of the prostate or, or resection of the prostate or the TERP. Some people kind of crudely refer to that as the Roto-Rooter job or the ring job. Some men are familiar with those terms. And anyway, that that is, is maybe the most definitive, but it does require an anesthetic and a short hospital stay in some cases. And there is risk of bleeding and and a small risk of other problems like incontinence or uh, um, maybe an, an ejaculation problems. Those Those kind of things can be an issue. Uh, although uh, some of the other um, serious uh, complications are very rare. And then in the third, the middle category I was talking about, about the minimally invasive techniques, we have some different things like microwave treatment or even steam ablation treatment. Uh, but there is a newer technique uh, called Eurolift, which is uh, a different minimally invasive technique. And the advantage of it is it's kind of like a mechanical opening of the prostate. With these little sutures, they're kind of the concept of a stent, if you will, but not not um, exactly the same. And what they do are little sutures that pull open the prostate. And what's unique about that is most all the treatments with lasers and microwaves and steam treatment treatments and all those things, those are designed to to ablate, to uh, uh, to um, cook, if you will, or, or or try to burn away tissue in in, uh, in some fashion whereas the Uralis is kind of a mechanical opening of the prostate that works quite well. And it's just very little small sutures and and surgical clips that we use uh, to accomplish that uh, with that treatment.
0: Is this a permanent treatment? Can it be removed?
1: Yeah, great question. Well, um, it it is long-lasting. The longest clinical data we have, at least in the United States, because it was originally trialed in Australia, has durable treatment out to six years and probably beyond. Uh, where it seems to work for men, and so it is. Uh, it is a uh, seems to last for a long time. However, any treatment uh, does have some uh, risk of men having to come back and have another treatment if some of the prostate were to grow back or something changed in their prostate. So, any treatment does have some degree of possibility of having to be redone in the future. Uh, these little devices can be removed. Um, that's uh, extremely rare. They they don't cause any problems. And um, they, they can be removed, but it's not something that um, uh, is necessary.
0: And you wouldn't like men to go into it thinking that they're going to want to have it removed or something along those lines.
1: Exactly. You know, certainly if we do the procedure, the intent is to keep it keep it in place. And if, uh, if, if most men, uh, roughly uh, 70 to 80 percent of men get a significant improvement in their symptoms, and that lasts for several years, uh, for the ones that don't, then sometimes we do have to uh, consider uh, surgery uh, or they may stay on their medications. Fortunately, most men come off their medications and don't need surgery, and, and it works quite well for most of those men.
0: How interesting. What a cool procedure and a fascinating topic. Now, if, if you would wrap it up for us, Dr. Connor, with what men can do to keep their prostate in good health and how their partners can get them in to even get checked out by a urologist such as yourself, because that seems to be one of the whole compliance problems is that men don't always want to go in to see somebody like you. So wrap it up with your best advice about good prostate health and good self-health advocacy.
1: Absolutely. That's a great question and I appreciate that. I think one of the, for men particularly, they do have a lot of resistance to go in to see the doctor for fear that we're going to do a lot of uh, bad stuff to them, or they might hear some news they don't want to hear. And the good news is that most men with prostate enlargement symptoms can be reassured. It's a, you know, it's a usually a benign condition that isn't serious, although it can affect their lifestyle. I think also, that, uh, and so their partners and uh, can encourage men to get checked out at least and to, to see the doctor and and make sure everything's okay. And we do have a lot of great options that have minimal or low side effects. One of the fears men have is sexual dysfunction. That's a huge factor. The beauty of the EuroLift is there's no chance of ejaculation issues or erection issues or incontinence. So those risks are, are, are um, basically zero in the studies and in our clinical experience. And so we're able to at least offer that to men with the confidence that they won't be adversely affected by the treatment.
0: What great advice. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise and, and helping men And the people that love them understand that these are treatable conditions and that they have no fear of coming in and getting checked out and that the treatment options can really make their quality of life better. Thank you so much, Dr. Connor, for being with us today. You're listening to TVH Health Chat with Temecula Valley Hospital. For more information, please visit TemeculaValleyHospital.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Temecula Valley Hospital. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.